Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where we are determined to bring us all back to our superpowered selves. And speaking of being superpowered, healthcare is something we all need to be thinking about. So many women, different minorities, different ethnicities, different regions don't have access to healthcare. Well, to break it all down for us, I have a very special guest. I have Dr. Maria Hernandez. She is president and chief operating officer of Impact for Health, a California firm focused on healthcare innovations to advance health equity. The firm's primary services include consultation to health systems on strategy, talent development, patient and community engagement to reduce health outcome disparities. She has served two terms as board of trustees for Alameda Health System, serving as board secretary and member of the Human Resources and Quality and Professional Services Committee. She's got a ton of credentials here. I'd probably take up the entire episode to read them all, but I'm going to let her speak for herself. So welcome to the show, Dr. Hernandez. I'm so pleased to have you on here. Talk to us about what's happening out there. I think the pandemic has literally like wrenched it open. We can't pretend, we can't brush it under the rug anymore. We know that there are two systems of healthcare being delivered, maybe even three in our country. What's happening and why is it happening? Thank you so much, Dr. Taz, for letting me join you on your show. And I'm so delighted to be able to share this information with your um, listeners. I think what has happened is that the pandemic coupled with all of the things that were happening in our country around race relations really opened up a very long-standing wound in our healthcare system. And so I see three things happening right now. One is that healthcare systems are trying to address what's happening with the pandemic, certainly reaching out to communities and trying to engage them so that everyone is getting uh, treated and cared for, and of course, the vaccine. The second is they're looking internally, and they're looking at whether or not they've addressed the unconscious bias and systemic bias that we know has been part of healthcare for well before the pandemic. In fact, 120 years worth of reports have been written about disparities in our health system, and so it's time to do it. Um, the last thing that I think is happening is different groups are now really trying to advocate to different patient populations how to navigate this system and to be mindful and watchful about the bias and, and sometimes outright discrimination that can occur as people try to get care. So those are three things that I see happening right now, and it's time to take yes. care of them. Yeah. It really is. But let's break this down just a little bit, because, you know, if you're a woman out there listening to the show, you might not even realize that you've experienced unconscious bias or you may dismiss. Here's what I've seen happen over and over again is that, 
you know, women and men, you know, you'll dismiss your problems when you are also dismissed in an exam room or in a hospital setting. You'll assume that everything's okay because the doctor is still in this patriarchal model. We still know best. We're still right. And if you've said something, then surely that's the way it is. What is unconscious bias? How would you describe it? How would, how would somebody recognize it? So first of all, all of us have unconscious bias. It's those snap judgments that we make about other people. Uh, in the first few seconds of meeting someone. And one of the things that we're trying to train physicians about is just understanding that in seven seconds, we make all kinds of assumptions ranging from age, race, uh, you know, ability, and so on. But we also make assumptions about trustworthiness or friendliness. And you can imagine that's a pretty big assumption to be making in just a few seconds. So we're all wired to do this. The other thing about unconscious bias is that it does unfortunately trigger in our human uh, cognition, a, a sort of us versus them kind of mindset. So we look at someone, we assess the situation and we kind of have to make that decision. Is this something that I need to fight or flight? Uh, it's an us versus them sort of uh, dichotomy that people get into really quickly. So I always say, you know, we all have these and we all make those kinds of assumptions. The real key to avoiding this is awareness, number one. Right. And second, it's to slow down. So let me give you one interesting statistic. Um, some research has been done that physicians interrupt patients 18 seconds into their appointment. Now think about that, 18 seconds and you're already getting uh, perhaps deviated into another, you know, topic or, you know, getting asked something and you're not even finished with your first sort of, you know, few sentences about what's going on. So there is that power differential that you just mentioned, Dr. Taz, all physicians, you know, we have a certain respect and of course they should be respected uh, as professionals. And yet um, sometimes we defer to them so much power in that uh, first few moments of the pa uh, patient engagement process that we, we don't get our story out. Right. So a couple of things. One is I always say to folks, come to a, a, an appointment as prepared as possible with you know what you most need to cover in that appointment. And if you're really anxious or if you're a language minority or if there's just a lot of real fear about what's going on with you, bring an advocate bring a patient advocate, someone who's just gonna be there for you that you trust and that will watch the encounter and just allow for a little bit more um, safety that you're gonna get your words out or if you get flustered that someone's gonna be there for you. Um, I think that uh, that may sound like a pretty extreme thing to do, but today with so much going on, even on Zoom appointments that now you know so much technologies involved in getting through an appointment, you can imagine having another person there to be with you is, is a good step. Um, and the other is, of course, speak up. Do not suffer in silence. If you don't think your physician is really understanding what you need or what's going on, say so. I mean, that simple statement that you just need to be prepared to, to say, I'm worried that you're not hearing me. I'm worried that you're not understanding what's going on and we need to start over, we need to start from the beginning and let me tell you what's really happening. Those are some key tips that I think women need to be 
ready to uh, to use as they navigate their healthcare. I love that those are actionable tips. And I hope you guys were taking notes because I think those are excellent ideas when it comes time to getting in that exam room and having, remember doctors also too are, you know, in many traditional practices are in a time crunch, right? They've got, they've got to keep moving. So some of, some of that is that pressure that they also feel. But when you come in like that, organized, uh, ready to speak up, someone there to advocate for you, that conversation, regardless of the length of time, is so much more efficient and collaborative rather than being sort of a little bit of a tug of war. You know, who is most affected, do you think? You know, the numbers from the pandemic really highlighted, you know, our minorities, right? Being very much affected by the health, sort of the health inequities that we see. Who, who do you see most affected by unconscious bias, by the inability to speak up? What are we seeing when it comes to hard data? So I think the data that was getting a lot of attention before the pandemic was maternal mortality for Black women. Mm. Black and brown women are dying in pregnancy at three times the rate of white women. Wow. And that's approaching some third world countries. Um, and so it's completely unacceptable. And I think one of the best examples of what are factors uh, at bear, that bear on this or of course, unconscious bias exists. Um, there are some indications, for example, that um, pain medication is not necessarily withheld, but it's not given out at the same levels for uh, all the ethnic groups. Um, one of the cases that we often feature when we're talking about this is Serena Williams, who had a baby and almost died because they didn't listen to her when she said, I think there's something going on. She had had blood clots before and indeed she had one. And it wasn't until she coughed uh, so much that her stitches, you know, basically burst that they finally listened. And we say, you know, if you're Serena Williams, one of the most powerful black women, the most amazing athletes on the planet, and you can't get someone to hear you, what does that do for you if you are you know, a person that's just coming in and the first time you're having a baby. So are we being heard? Do we have our pain uh, tolerance uh, exaggerated? That's a, a factor. Another is just, um, you know, the right options in terms of delivery. Are they all presented to us in a way that we can make the right choice? So before the pandemic, we were talking about maternal mortality, diabetes, heart disease, there are a lot of um, health outcomes that we know have enormous disparity across those populations. It's just, I think the pandemic now really made it quite clear. There are two health systems in our country. Mm. We need to uh, reckon with that. Hi there, superstars. If you've been following my feed this month, you know that I've teamed up with now and with six amazing wellness experts to bring you the latest cutting edge information on health and wellness. This includes my friends, Kelsey Patel and Dr. Will Cole. We will be bringing together our collective wisdom and knowledge to bring you tips that you can use in your life day in and day out. So what does that mean? Well, we're merging our respective disciplines to bring together tools that you can use in your life to feel super powered and in charge and in control of your health. Whether it's nutrition, fitness, skincare, or just wanting to feel more connected, We've got you covered and it's all free. 
thanks to you and thanks to now. You can find this free content hub at nowclues.com backslash experts with new inspiration rolling out every single month. So be sure to check it out and keep going back for more. So why now? I love that they're still a family owned company and are committed to bottom line, high quality and still manufacturing the best products for all of us. They test exhaustively and they go above the standards of good manufacturing practices so that you can be rest assured that what's on the label is actually what's in the bottle. How novel. What's more, they have such a broad portfolio from vitamins and supplements to natural foods, sports nutrition products, to beauty, health, and so much more. There's really something for every single health goal. You can feel empowered knowing that now is a comprehensive wellness solution that you can turn to for your every need. If you want to shop for now products, I have a 20% off promo code that you can use all year long. It's Dr. Taz, capital D-R-T-A-Z, and you can begin curating your own personal wellness program right now. Just head on over to nowfoods.com. So a lot of what you've discussed with the inequity to a certain extent comes down to just listening into the relationship. And, you know, it's funny, I do integrative medicine, functional medicine, we value time. Time is really, you know, the main thing that we've got when we're having a conversation with those, with our patients. And that gift of time is part, not just the methodology of thinking, but that gift of time is sometimes what I think really gives the results because it's always the oh, by the way, or let me tell you one more thing, and you're, you have the time as a doctor to sit back and connect the dots. A lot of what you've talked about seems to fall back on the ability of the physician or the medical team to listen and to be collegial and to collaborate. How much is not so much just the physician, but the systems we have in place for delivering medicine today and the access that we have for medical care? How are we going to tackle those variables while we work on unconscious bias and physician education and training and things like that. You bring up a great point. And I would say this, uh, my brother's a physician, he retired. And one of the things that we've chatted about quite a bit is how much time a physician now is spending not in front of a patient looking at them, but doing this over yes. here, taking into the electronic health record. And, um, I know physicians who say as much as they really value the ability to have all of that data about a patient in a very uh, convenient and uh, coordinated manner on that record, on that electronic health record, some are spending three to four hours every evening basically updating what the records say. And you're shaking your head because you probably know that this is happening among your colleagues. And so there are lots of technology issues that I think are intervening and interfering with some of the things that we most care about, which is talking to a patient, looking at them, uh, understanding what they might be feeling. Uh, another factor is, uh, do we even touch the patient anymore? Mm -hmm. uh, we're so busy collecting information. And again, my, my brother's retired, but he said, you know, in the old days uh, when he first started, um, really needed to uh, understand what is this patient actually feeling? What are they going through? And sometimes taking that extra moment to really take the right vitals to look at what's really happening for that patient is all the difference in the world, right? So imagine you've got 15 minutes in some systems to actually see a patient and you got to get everything in that electronic health record. What do you do? You're, you're going to want to make sure you 
you know, comply with that. So I think there are some health systems that are looking at how to provide more uh, support for physicians so that they don't have to distract themselves from the patient. Again, I think patients need to be pretty strong and advocate for themselves and say, you know, I, I don't know you're paying attention. Here's what's really happening. Can you check this out? Is a good, you know, in, interruption to all of that. Um, but I don't see an easy solution because, um, you know, healthcare right now is under siege with so many things, not only the pandemic, but this technology change and just, um, you know, even payment reforms. Many, many systems are having to respond to a lot. So this is this is important for all patients to know that they're um, they're they're going to need to be their own advocate in this process. How long do you think it'll take, and what are kind of the next steps system wide? You know, and even maybe thinking bigger from a government standpoint. You know, from a country standpoint, to get our healthcare on track. I mean, I feel like we're such a a country of go-getters, but we can't get healthcare right, you know? <laughs> so what, what's it going to take? Well, I, I think both of us are pretty frustrated with that reality. And I think we've got to come to a place where healthcare isn't tied to your employment. I think, you know, universal healthcare of some sort is really, uh, you know, in our future. I, I think it will take a while to navigate to the right place for that. Um, but the other, I think, is going to be uh, even more awareness on the part of physicians to really stand up and say, this is what we can do in the amount of time that we've got with patients. I'd like to see physicians talking about this more publicly. Mm. Um, I'm fortunate that I have colleagues like, uh, you know, those who are internal and see this and talk about it openly. You are doing it as well, my brother. Um but I think physicians need to say, this is really hurting us. This is hurting our ability to do what we need to do. So the reforms that I think will happen are, again, universal healthcare coverage uh, and more, um, more advocacy around wellness so that we're not waiting for people to get sick. I think your show really does a beautiful job of talking about all of the things that you can do that are within your power to do to keep well. Um, we don't necessarily have a system that keeps you well. We're waiting for you to get sick right. and then you come in. So we've got to do that mind shift in our uh, nation as, as a whole and look at all of those factors, what we eat, you know, how much stress there is in our lives, um, how much we try to do all day long. Uh, are we getting that exercise that's necessary? Are we, you know, have, do we have access to clean air, clean water? All of the good things that are basic to human development and, and wellness, we can't take those for granted. And so I hope we have those kinds of conversations and are, and are honest with ourselves that we need that kind of personal responsibility to find out what works for us to stay healthy. I agree. I remember sitting in a meeting, I think it was over 10 years ago, and everyone was getting really excited about all the technology, like all the apps and the wearables and algorithms. And, and I remember just looking around and I think I offended some of them, but I'm, I'm like, you guys, you're not going to help medicine until you restore the doctor patient relationship. Until you restore that relationship, you can have all the gizmos and gadgets and records that you want, but you're, you're violating this very 
very deep relationship that is where people open up and reveal kind of what's happening and where you can connect their mind, their body, and their spirit and help them on a path forward. In 15 minutes, all you can do is hear maybe two things and write a prescription and run back out the door, you know? So I've been a I feel like that was 10 years ago. I haven't fallen off that podium yet. So, and I still have this vision of seeing medicine shift in that direction, you know, back to what, where, and why many of us went into medicine to begin with. We really, my husband said this the other day, he goes, doctors are, are usually really good people. I go, we really want to help people. I think genuinely doctors go into it for that, but then they just get worn down over time with kind of the systems and you know, what it takes to deliver what they want to deliver. So, so hopefully it'll change. Hopefully we'll see this, but in the interim, to your point, we need patients to advocate for themselves. We need women to speak up because oftentimes they're affected in this pool of health inequities and unconscious bias. We need minorities to speak up, black women, brown women, as you've mentioned. You, we, we haven't even talked about the Latina community. Tell us what's going on there with, with their health care. Where do they stand in this mix? Well, I think what we're seeing right now is really centered around the uh, COVID-19 um, pandemic. Uh, we're seeing death rates in the Latino community that are just twice what it is in white. Uh, and I think some of this uh, is again, access to obviously the care that people need. Uh, but right now in the Latino community, I think what's super tragic is how much fear there is that if I go to the doctor, um, maybe that's gonna be some way uh, uh, used to uh, separate me from my family. If there's a mix of people who are here uh, with documentation or not, and so at Alameda Health System, I'm super proud to give this as an example, but when this all started, uh, we started to see a drop in the number of uh, families and individuals that came for their regularly scheduled appointments. And so we had to do a campaign that basically said, our job is to take care of you. It's not to collaborate with ICE or any authority to try and uh, determine your status. And so I think we don't talk about that enough, but in right. the Latino community, I think that's another layer of factors that are really impacting uh, their ability to get the care they need and certainly the vaccines. So we need to make people aware that's not the role of healthcare. And I don't know of any system that is cooperating in that way, um, but the rumors are out there, the trust that has not been you know, uh, developed is a factor with that community. Ah, that breaks my heart. I can't imagine not going to get medical care because you don't know what's going to happen next. That's That really breaks my heart. And actually in many countries too, speaking of immigrants in general, like even in our family, like my mother-in-law and all, like you don't go to the doctor because you, you go to the hospital to die. That's sort of their, you know, mindset. You don't, otherwise you just don't go, you know? So it's very interesting to kind of navigate some of those cultural barriers as well. Well, Dr. Hernandez, you're incredible. What's next for you, where are you putting your energy and your brilliance to change our health systems moving forward? There's just a little bit of work to do, not very much. So, so what's next for you? So I'm super proud of our team. We are um, introducing healthcare systems to something called the inclusion scorecard for population health. And it's a way for a health system to assess where are they on their journey uh, to advance health equity we identified over 75 different practices that are spanning both the clinical and um, informal engagement with patients. 
Uh, and we are introducing that uh, service for free to all of the systems that we can possibly uh, enter. And I'm just really proud that the reception to that has been incredible. We're busy, we're really uh, fortunate to have some work with major health systems that are trying to advance uh, this work. And so um, what keeps me up at night is, do we have enough people uh, at the table to actually get this done? But I'm super proud of that work and hope to be doing this for, for quite some time. Oh my gosh, you're an inspiration. You're a superwoman. For all the women out there listening, what's your one hack to take care of yourself? Have to have to ask you that. Oh, you got to put time on your calendar that actually says me time. And it's for Love you it. to do what you most need, whether it's pamper yourself, you know, take a nice warm bath or get out and walk or work in the garden or just sit down and have a cup of tea with yourself. You must schedule time to take care of yourself. And so I have my routine time from early in the morning to nine in the morning to just do what I most need for me. I love that. I think that is so important. So many women forget about that, whether you're passion driven, family driven, whatever it is. And it's so important to remember it. Well, thank you so much. You're an inspiration. My visions are back. We're going to change healthcare. We're going to do it all tomorrow. Maybe not, but anyhow, it was lovely meeting you. Thank you for taking time out to join the show and for everybody else. Thank you for watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Dr. Hernandez, actually, before I let you go, if folks want to learn more about what you're doing or they want to get involved, is there a way for them to do so? Sure. Just uh, visit our website, www.impact4health, and it's the number four. And there's lots there that people can look at. Wonderful. All right. Let's get involved, guys. Thank you, Dr. Hernandez. Thank you guys for watching this episode. Remember, you can rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time.